chapter 1. Luke is the third gospel in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and then the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter number 1. Let me begin reading, please, in verse number 5. The Bible says, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abiah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb." And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, my wife well stricken in years. The angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. The people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men." title of the message today is two words that are given here in verse number 13 of our text. It is the words, fear not, fear not. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, I pray that you would just speak to us here today. Guide me as your servant. Help me not to say or do anything that would be displeasing to thee. May it be that every word that I speak would be a word that you would have me to speak. And I pray that you would help each one that is sitting here today listening, whether 
it be here in this auditorium or via live stream or listening it to it later sometime down the way. I pray, Lord, that you would touch each person and help them to be obedient to the things that they hear. We live in a day where many, even Christians, are fearful. Help us to trust you, to put our complete confidence in the God who knows what is best. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's amazing to me what people fear today. Uh, You might take a chance to look online sometime and look at all the phobias that people seem to face today. But, you know, I learned something recently, and I began to just kind of put some of these things together. It's a little little different, but there really are phobias related to the Christmas season. How many of you knew that today? Oh, I'm going to teach you something here today. Do you know there's something called ho-ho-phobia? Look it up online. It's a profound fear of overweight, bearded men in red suits and black boots. Hohophobia outbreaks usually surface in late November when sufferers begin to report frequent sightings of their most feared apparition on street corners, shop windows, and on TV commercials on, or, uh, for local car dealerships. There's another fear called North Polar Disorder. That's the chronic fear that somebody's on your roof. There's the calendar countdown condition. It's an unyielding obsession with how many shopping days are left until Christmas. Constantly reaching for the notepads, these sufferers feel a pressing need to absorb and retain a daunting litany of time zones, store hours, and driving mileage in support of their shop or drop obsession. In fact, calendar countdown condition is most commonly found among most uh, many math majors, chronic coupon clippers, and no offense on the term, but old ladies who use, still use tiny change purses. There's another fear called sexual dysfunction. This is a disabling sense of disappointment upon receiving a gift that was not purchased at Saks Fifth Avenue. How many of you are suffering from that today? There's angoraphobia, a chronic fear that Cousin Harriet from Omaha sent you another homemade sweater for Christmas. Now, I could go on and on. In fact, they list a lot of these, but whether these things are real or not, they actually allowed a little bit of humor while I did my study this week. But truthfully, we live in a very fearful world. Our minds are often filled with worries or fears of things that we're facing every single day. We fear decisions that need to be made, or maybe we fear decisions that we've already made about how people accept those. We fear what other people might think, or we fear how to move forward in life. We fear the unknown, failure, rejection, change. Some of us fear relationships. We fear the instability of our nation's security. We fear the very real possibility of economic hardships. We fear what kind of world that our children and grandchildren are entering into. We're all concerned for their future. 
But such fears are really nothing new in history. Because at the time that we read this passage in Luke and we go through the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were very real fears and concerns of people right then and there. There were people that lived in Israel who found themselves under the rule of the Romans and feared political upheaval. They feared the possibility of a bloody war. And there were so many other things that they even dealt with on a personal scale. So when the Bible talks about fearing or not fearing, there are real people and there is a real God who understands exactly what you're going through. He knows the situation that you have at hand. He knows the problems that you're facing. He knows the decisions that you have to make that nobody else maybe knows about. But I'm telling you, there is a God that knows. And though you may be worried and you may be fearful and dreading to move forward, God is telling us to not fear and to trust him. Do you realize four times in what I like to call the Christmas passages, that is through Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and the first couple of chapters of Luke, there are four times that God, through an angel, actually tells some people to fear not. What I'd like to do today is take those particular appearances of those angels and share with you the four fear nots of Christmas. The first one is found right in our text here today. And I want to challenge you, number one, fear not God's purpose. Fear not God's purpose. Now, our first fear not comes actually from a very unlikely couple. It's a priest by the name of Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. This couple is a very righteous couple. They're an older couple, but they're childless. Some of you in this room may have struggled with the pain and loss of infertility or know somebody who has. For those that are facing these type of things, hoping and praying for a child is a dream that has been deferred because of whatever devastating circumstances and disappointments have come by. And I'm quite sure that Zechariah, a faithful priest before God and his dear wife Elizabeth, probably prayed passionately for years. But later on in their life, they gave up hope as those years passed and Elizabeth, her womb remained empty. We come to this passage of scripture and we find Zechariah at the beginning of this gospel of Luke, faithfully going about his ordinary priestly responsibilities. But something extraordinary happens when he's in the temple and he's there offering the incense. He's visited by an angel. Now, immediately he's gripped with fear, and we would think that the fear is just because of the apparition that before him, the angel that is there. But the fear is more than just the angel that is there. The fear is also the fact that the angel has come and told him not to fear and knows exactly what he has prayed for for years. And I love what the angel says. I want you to notice here, the angel says to him, fear not. For thy prayer, and I want you to notice this two-letter word, 
is heard. Now, I can't prove it from Scripture, but it almost seems to indicate that Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed for all these years, and they probably had stopped praying. They had given up hope. I mean, they're well stricken in years. They're not going to have, Elizabeth's not going to bear a child in her old age. It's impossible. God can't do that. But when the angel comes, it's as if he says, Zechariah, I know you're not praying anymore, and I know you've given up hope, but I want to tell you something. The prayers that you did pray have been heard, and they're being heard right now, and they're being answered. Now, imagine that. Some of you have had prayer requests that you've prayed for for years that God would do something, and God hasn't done whatever you've requested in your time and in your uh, calendar, but you have given up hope on God. I want to tell you something. God hears your prayers and will answer according to His will and in His time. Amen. And boy, when Zechariah stood there and that angel, he feared not only the angel standing there, but because that angel has said, God has heard your prayer, and he's answering. Zechariah probably had a very skeptical reaction to the angel's promise. He had given up on having a child long time ago. There their uh, uh, hope and, and uh, faith in God had been crushed years ago. And now Zechariah is here hearing this from this angel and trying to figure out what God's purpose is in his life. God tells him, and he's really taken back by it. What an amazing story here today, and what a great application for you and I. Those of you that are here today who are trying to figure out God's will for your life, you maybe have, have prayed for something and it didn't seem that God has shown anything to you, but all of a sudden God out of nowhere appears to you, not necessarily in a physical form, but you know through a message that has been preached from a, from a pulpit or, or God speaking to you through the reading of the Word of God, He said, this is my will for your life, and you step back and say, I, 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 don't, I don't think that can happen. Those of you that are trying to figure out God's will for your life, I want to encourage you, continue praying and have faith in God because God will answer. Amen. Maybe you're trying to figure out who it is you're going to marry. Maybe you're trying to figure out what career field you'll take. Maybe you're trying to figure out what ministry God would have for you through this local church. But I want to tell you something. When God comes and he speaks to you, trust him and don't fear his purpose. He knows who he's calling and he knows the time exactly when he comes to you and gives you that purpose. So number one, fear not God's purpose. But now look a little further in Luke chapter 1 in verses 26 through 34. I'm not going to take time to read this passage of scripture, but I think it's a very common and familiar passage to you and it has to do with Mary. Here it is, a virgin in verse 27, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
Verse 28, the angel came to her, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. And then she saw him, verse 29, she's troubled. And verse 30, the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I'd like to do something for just a moment. For those of you that are in the audience here who are either in middle school or high school, would you stand for just a moment, please? I want you to stay standing. If you're in middle school or high school, would you just stand for just a moment? This is a good bunch of kids right here. Now, those of you that are old and gray-headed, I want you to look across at these young people here, all right? Look at this age group now, all right? You may be seated. Thank you for standing up. It's very possible that Mary was right in this age bracket right here when this angel appeared to her. It was very customary in the times of these days that a young woman would be betrothed to her husband. Now, not married and the marriage consummated physically, but would be engaged to him. That is, she would be promised to a particular Jewish man probably as early as 12 years old. And it's very possible, many commentators have uh, 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 put out the fact that probably Mary was somewhere around 15 or 16 years old when the angel appears to her. Think about it. And when this angel appears to Mary, she's troubled. She's taken back. Because she knows here, as this angel appears to her and begins to speak to her, every young Jewish girl was quite aware of the fact that God was going to visit some young Jewish woman and allow them to be able to carry forth the Messiah. And this angel appears to Mary and she says, Me? You're looking at me? And I want to tell you something here. Number two, fear not God's providence, how God is working, what God is doing, and the fact that God will and desires to use you. Mary's a young girl here, and yet she comes forth and is blessed of God and is used of God in a mighty way to carry forth the Christ child. And God is going to call you out. And when God calls you out, I know what your answer will be. God, you can't use me. I shared this past week, and I have talked on numbers of occasions about when God called me to the ministry, and I said to God multiple times, not me. If you want someone to speak in front of a bunch of people, if you want someone to go ahead and be a preacher and be a counselor to others, and you want someone to go ahead and lead a group of people, Lord, there's a better, lot of other better people out there than me. And God kept pointing his finger at my heart and saying, you, you. And I wrestled over and over with God using me because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel capable. I didn't feel knowledgeable enough, but God says, I can overcome all of that. My desire is that you would yield yourself and I'll use you as I see fit. And you know what God's done for almost 30 years of ministry? God has just used me as I have laid my life down. And Mary, 
She's not a woman here who was this woman that was automatically full of grace and perfect and sinless. No, certain religions have talked about Mary being that way. Mary was a woman who was yielded to God, and God says, I'm going to fill you with my grace, and I'm going to use you, and that's what God wants to do with you. God desires to use you, but you got to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. Notice number three, if you would, and I'd like you to hold your place here in Luke chapter 1 and go back to the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew. Notice, if you will, the gospel of Matthew and chapter number 1. And I want you to notice as we read a few verses that we're not to fear God's plan. Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily, that's privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, while the other people that we're looking at, Zechariah and Mary before, had an angel literally appear before them, Joseph kind of gets off a little easy and has an angel visit him actually in a dream. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 that I read, the angel encounters Joseph and encourages him not to be afraid and to proceed with the plan that God has for his life. Now, let's think about Joseph for just a moment. I'll bet I think you understand Joseph. Joseph is engaged to marry. They're not fully married yet. They haven't come together physically and Joseph gets word from Mary one day while they're licking ice cream cone at one of the local ice cream shops. Mary says, I got to tell you something, Joseph. I'm pregnant. And Joseph drops his ice cream cone and says, what? He knows he's been pure. He knows he's not been with her. And what would any man think of? Well, who have you been with? I mean, the only way you get pregnant is you're with somebody. Well, Mary doesn't know how to explain it all. She can't really uh, put it in words because this is faith, trusting what God's going to do through her. And so Joseph, as they leave that place and he goes to his home, he starts questioning God and begins thinking of a plan of what he'll do to put her away. He doesn't want to embarrass her. He doesn't want to hurt her. He loves her. But yet he finds a way and a plan, and that's when the angel comes to Joseph. You see, sometimes in our life, we think that God doesn't know what he's doing with us. And we think that God has somehow left us off, and he's helping out all these other people with other problems, and he's forgotten about us. So what we are doing in our mind is we're saying, all right, here's what I'm, I'm going to take care of it this way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to settle everything so that way 
I'm good with myself. And I'm good with everything else. And the angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, scrap those plans. Get rid of them. I am representing God. I've stood in his presence. And God has sent me as a messenger to let you know to take Mary. Don't fear what other people may say. Don't worry about all the ridicule and various other things. In due time, word will get out of what really is true and factual. And you follow God's plan. You know, sometimes it's hard to follow God's will, isn't it? We like to say in church, if I asked you, hey, is it great to follow God's will? Every one of you probably would say, amen. But then God's will comes to you, and you go, Mm-mm. no, God, you, you, you don't know me. You don't understand. You need to move on to something else. How about we craft this plan where it's a little bit more palatable for me? How about we take care of this in such a way, God, can you kind of shave this off of your plan, take care of this? Can you add these good things on and help me out? No, no. God knows what he's doing. He created you. He knows exactly what's in the future. And he knows exactly what you need. Can I remind you of something where God guides, he provides. God knows exactly what he's doing. More than ever before, you and I live in a very uncertain world. Every day we're bombarded with unwanted news that seem to put our plans on hold or threaten our health or threaten our security or threaten things that we have and causes us to dread the future. And that fear that we have can cripple us, paralyze us, and that's where we need to put our strength and confidence in God and what he says And what did Joseph do? Joseph stepped forward and simply obeyed God. God often asks us to walk the unknown paths, giving us only the light that will guide the very next step. You know how people follow God many times? They're standing there saying, all right, the preacher said you got to have faith in God. God, show me everything. You know, if God showed you everything, you probably wouldn't step forward. But what God does is when you take that step, he'll give a little bit of light for the next step. And then you take that step and you take that step. And if you saw everything, you may not move forward. But I'm telling you something, God can be trusted I love what Corey Ten Boom there in the Holocaust days said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Boy, how wonderful that is. Go back to the Gospel of Luke, if you would please, in chapter number 2. And I want you to look at verse 8. Let me read a few verses here. They were in the same country, Luke 2, verse 8. Shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be 
to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then it talks about here this heavenly host singing and glory to God in the highest. Later on, the, the shepherds followed and went to where the baby was. Now, the shepherds have become such a very sentimental symbol of the Christmas story. It's hard for us, you know, we might see on a Christmas card the shepherds, we might see decorations of the shepherds, but it's hard for us to figure out really who these shepherds really, really were and how they were afraid. The Bible doesn't tell us who they were. It doesn't say the shepherds and then it names Joe and David and John and doesn't name them, nor does it tell us how many there were. But it is very reasonable throughout all of Scripture, and especially here, to be able to describe these shepherds as very humble, common people working the night shift. How many of you have worked the night shift before? Boy, that's what these shepherds exactly were doing. Well, this is, doesn't seem to us, sometimes if we craft the Bible, doesn't seem to be the type of people who would receive such an important announcement. Now, if Zechariah and Mary and Joseph, whom we've already talked about, responded with fear to the appearance of one angel, do you not see how it is that the shepherds, surrounded by a heavenly host, started to cower in fear? Just imagine how loud it was, those angels singing. They didn't sing like some people in church. Amazing grace. How sweet. I want to make sure nobody hears me next to me. No, when these angels sing, they sing out because they're giving glory to God. Amen. You say, well, they're in perfect pitch. Well, okay, maybe in heaven you'll have perfect pitch. But right now, just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But imagine now how loud they're singing. How bright the angels were that were before those shepherds. And now the fear comes and it's related heavily to the scene. But the angels say to the shepherds, fear not, behold. Now we don't use behold today. I mean, that's not a word that we throw out. But the word behold in the King James Bible is this idea. Stop what you're doing and listen to what I'm going to say next. Stop and listen. And in essence, the principle for the shepherds was this. Look beyond what frightens you and perceive the truth of the message. And here's what I want you to get, point number four. Fear not God's presentation. You know, to Zechariah, fear not God's purpose. To Mary, fear not God's providence. To Joseph, fear not God's plan. But to these shepherds, fear not God's presentation, the message. Oh, this appearance of these angels struck fear in the heart of the shepherds. 
But I'm telling you something that when they told the shepherds to look and to listen, there was a message that they were sharing that there was a son who would be given, whose name would be Jesus, that would die for the world and pay for their sins. The gospel message. And my friend today, I want to say to you, this message is not a new message that we preach but you don't have to be afraid of it. You might be here today and have never accepted Christ as your Savior, and maybe there's a fear about coming forward to be born again or to be saved in Jesus Christ, and you go, well, I don't, I don't want to become Baptist. Nobody's saying you've got to be Baptist. You're just in a Baptist church, that's all. But I'm telling you something that whatever fears you have of stepping forward to receive Christ, what the God is telling you is don't fear. Because what you can receive through Jesus Christ can overcome all of those fears. You might be fearful of, am I trusting the right thing? You might be fearful of, well, what will my family say? Who will I be rejected by? What's going to go on all around me? How's this going to change my life? My friend, the angels here are giving this message to the shepherds, and God is saying to you today, fear not, trust Jesus as your Savior, and you will find that God will sort out all those things when you receive the gospel. Those of you that are saved today, you probably recall the fears that you might have had before you received Christ. But now as you sit here today, you think to yourself, those fears really were nothing. As I close today, I really want to ask you, what fears do you have? It might be that I touched on something, but it's very possible that right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about fears that you have. I don't know about it. The person's sitting next to you don't know about it, but God knows. And God's touching you right now, and literally he's saying to you, fear not. Don't be afraid of what's going on. Don't be afraid of the decision that needs to be made. Don't be afraid of the plan that I have for your life. Trust me and I'll take care of it. You know what our problem is? We have a hard time trusting God because we're holding on to things ourselves, And we have a hard time letting go of whatever control we think we have and placing our confidence and trust in Him. In 1965, a Charlie Brown Christmas aired for the first time on television. How many remember that? Wonderful. I wasn't born yet. I just want to remind you of that. (laughs) But when I was old enough to remember, this special was something that we looked forward to watching. Now, for all those high school and middle school students that stood up, I lived at a time, and yes, I'm old enough, when we had to wait anxiously for the TV guide to come to our home, and we could open it up and find out when our favorite shows would be on. Yes, it did happen. We would plan our night for that uh, special, maybe the Charlie Brown Christmas. We would settle down in front of the TV, riveted, 
And if you wanted to use a restroom or you wanted to get a little snack, you had to wait till the commercial break. There was no pausing the program. And even now today, we have specials like this on DVD, on demand from Amazon, Netflix, and kids today don't know what it is to wait for a program to come on, to sit down and adjust the antenna just right so you get a perfect picture. But I'm not so talking much about how old I am. I'm talking about the show here, the Charlie Brown Christmas. What was so beautiful about this Charlie Brown Christmas special was that Linus would explain the true meaning of Christmas and would read from the second chapter of Luke. Yes, that happened on television. He would quote that passage from Luke 2, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. But I learned something recently that I had never noticed in all the times that I had watched that. In the middle of Linus speaking, at the exact moment that he says the words, fear not, Linus drops his blanket. Now, for those of you that are familiar with the whole Peanuts cartoon and everything and knowing of Linus, knew that although thoughtful and intelligent, he was best known for his ever-present security blanket. And throughout Peanuts, the other characters like Lucy and Sally and Snoopy try to help him get separated from that, but to no avail. And even though his blanket remains a source of ridicule and derision, he's too insecure to give that up until the moment he proclaims, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Linus continues his story right on to the end and then silently picks his blanket back up and walks off the stage. Now, the dropping of Linus's blanket as he recites the Christmas story is no accident. The author of this whole uh, uh, cartoon here, who himself was a it has been said, been a very deep religious man, had found a very brilliant way to teach us something, that the birth of Jesus Christ separates us from all of our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from habits that you and I are unable to break ourselves. The birth of Jesus allows us to drop the false security we've been grabbing onto so tightly and to trust Jesus instead. Again, I don't know what fears that you're struggling with today, but I want to encourage you here that whatever fear it is, drop the blanket and trust Jesus. Drop it. What is it you're holding on to? What is it that you have, have kind of put under your arms and, and clenched very tightly and said, I'm not letting this go. I don't know if I can trust God. I'm telling you, drop it and trust God. Christian today, you may be saved and on your way to heaven, but boy, you're not trusting God to take care of you in this life. Drop whatever fears you have 
and completely yield yourself and trust God who knows best. If you're not saved today, why are you holding back? Drop whatever it is that you're concerned about and yield yourself to God. Those that are saved today can give a hearty amen to the fact that when you trust God for salvation, it's the best life. Amen. It is. Let's bow our heads, please, and close our eyes. Lord in heaven, I come before thee today, and I ask for your work in our midst. Touch hearts right now. May those who are unsaved place their faith in you. May those who are Christians who are saved and have fears, may they drop whatever it is and trust you. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed right now, I want to talk to those that are without Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, I'm here today without Jesus Christ. I know it. I, I just, I know that if I died, I, I, I highly doubt I'd go to heaven. I mean, I'm hoping I'd love to go to heaven, but I just don't think it's going to happen. And I got these concerns and these fears and various other things. I want to tell you something. The message of salvation is being given to you here today. If you would confess your sin before God and you would place your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to pray and receive Christ as Savior, you say, I'd like to. How can I do that? You can do it right now in your seat. In just a moment, I'm going to go ahead and say a prayer. I'm going to say it out loud. Now, there's no magic in the words. Please understand that if a person is saved, they're saved by saying a prayer, but they have to believe it with their heart. This has to be something you believe with your heart. And I want to encourage you that as I pray this prayer out loud, if you need to be saved, why don't you pray it right now in your heart, silently to yourself. Here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus Christ, God's son, died on the cross for me and shed his blood to wash my sins away. And right now, I'm asking Jesus Christ to forgive me of all my sins and become my personal Savior. Now, my friend, if you just prayed that prayer, and you're not ashamed of Jesus Christ, he wasn't ashamed of you when he died on the cross. He hung naked on the cross, and he died for you. And I want to tell you today that for those that are truly saved, they're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. If they're willing to proclaim Jesus now, God the Father says, I'll recognize you here in heaven someday. Jesus, in fact, said, if you're not ashamed of him, he'll not be ashamed of you. If you just, just that moment prayed that prayer and asked the Lord into your heart, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you do me a favor? Just lift your hand up and just hold it up for just a moment. Anyone here today, preacher, I just prayed that prayer and I asked the Lord to be my Savior. God bless you. You may put your hand down. Anyone else? Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. I asked the Lord into my heart to be my Savior. 
Could I encourage you today, if you just prayed that prayer, would you just look at me just right now? You're the only one looking. Best decision you've ever made in your life. The best decision. And we're here as a church to help people grow in the things of God. We believe that when a person trusts Christ as Savior, they begin a journey of their faith. And so in just a moment, when we stand and we have our, our prayer, I'm going to ask you as the piano plays that you would come right down here. I'm going to stand right here and you come and let me know. I pray to ask Christ to be my Savior. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to just link you with someone, sit in the front row. They'll get some material in your hands. They'll pray with you. And we just desire to just be a help and rejoice with you over the decision that you made to receive Christ. I'd like to invite you to do that. Would you do that in just a moment? Could I speak to those that are here today who are saved? I may say today, preacher, I'm saved and I know it. But boy, I've got a lot of fears. There's things going on in our country. There's things in my life. There's things in my business, my work, my family. And preacher, I need to just trust God. And this morning, I'm going to step forward at the invitation time, and I'm going to drop my blanket at the altar, and I'm going to trust God 